Good evening, Harvest. It is a joy to be with you uh, this evening. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Dale for extending to me this invitation to come and to open up God's Word uh, with you tonight. I want to thank uh, my family who's with me tonight, my wife and uh, some of my children who are sitting uh, to my right. Um, I want to thank also uh, the members of New City Fellowship, some of them who have come to worship with us tonight, and thank you, Harvest, for receiving me and my family uh, this evening. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about chosen with a purpose. Chosen with a purpose. And I'm going to read uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 uh, in your hearing, uh, verses 1 through 12. We're really going to target verses 9 through 12 uh, this evening, but I want to read uh, verses 1 through 12 to set the context for. So listen to the Word of God from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for this pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. One writer illustrating uh, this house that uh, that Jesus is built, building, that God is building uh, in Christ. He says, have you ever shopped at Home Depot's, Home Depot, Lowe's, or some other home, in, home repair improvement type store? He says, if you've ever done that, you've inev inevitably seen the piles of lumber tossed aside that are broken and cracked and warped and crooked or just plain look bad. These piles of lumber go, un, go ignored as faithful builders go for the perfect building materials. After all, who in their right mind would ever use bad materials to build a house? You just don't do that. You don't start with bad materials because you know that it won't last. So it's funny that Jesus builds in a very different way. 
he uses the crooked sticks, the broken sticks, the lame lumber, the stuff that everyone else is looking past and in many cases tosses aside. It's almost like he delights in using materials that everyone else thinks are useless. It's almost like he's loading up his proverbial cart with all the crooked, broken, and warped wood that he can and is parading it around, inviting others to question the decision he's making. How are you going to build a house with that? Are you blind? That wood is warped. You'll never, it'll never pass inspection. There's a huge pile of perfectly good material over there. Use that. You can almost hear Jesus' voice, no, I'm going to build my house and nothing is going to stop me. These crooked, warped, broken pieces of wood are all mine. And off he goes, building the spiritual house, one broken stick at a time, one warped two by four at a time. And believe me, in Christ, we will all pass the inspection as we stand redeemed and justified in him alone. What a beautiful picture of the grace of God through the redemption of his son. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are chosen by God for this spiritual house he is building. Though we are indeed sinners, crooked, warped, broken, he has yet chosen us in Christ to be his house, to be his people. And that choice is not rooted in anything in us. In love we were predestined. By grace, we have been saved. We, are, we, were, we were chosen because God is good, not because we are good. And this choosing has purpose attached to it. We are chosen, brothers and sisters, with purpose. Have you ever paid attention to the purpose clauses that are, that are attached to many of the scriptural statements concerning God's choosing us? For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, Ephesians 1, 4. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. What's the purpose? That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. John 15 and 16. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits purpose to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. Over and over again, the Scripture reminds us that there is purpose in our being chosen. The challenge, of course, is not to lose sight of God's purposes in, in choosing us, for when we do lose sight, the things that Peter began this chapter talking about begins to rise among us. Malice, and deceit, and hypocrisy and envy, and slander, and the like. But we are called, brothers and sisters, to put these things away, to put them to death, to use another biblical expression. And how, we do, how do we do that? I want to suggest from this text that it comes as we understand and embrace God's choosing us in Christ and the purposes attached to that choosing. I want to draw those out for us, encouraging us through the scriptures to walk in these purposes for which we have been chosen as God's people. And so what are some of the purposes of God's choosing us in Christ that Peter lays before us? Well, first of all, brothers and sisters, we are chosen for possession. We are chosen for possession. All of these honorific titles in verse 9, chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, 
people for his possession. They all point to a massive status change that comes to those who believe. Through faith in Christ, we now share the honor together with all those who name the name of Christ of belonging to God. We are now in Christ, not just the people of a king, but the people of the king. And what was spoken about Old Testament Israel is now spoken of us who have our faith in Christ. You yourselves, God says in the past, have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Exodus 19, verses 4 through 5. Or consider these words in Isaiah 43, where God proclaims that he is Israel's only Savior. We read, the wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. And this being chosen, this being chosen, for the purpose of belonging to God is meant to set all our other belongings in their proper place. Our belonging ethnically, our belonging nationally, our belonging socioeconomically, our belonging as male or female, our belonging lingually, our belonging in every other proper category can only be lived out rightly when we begin with our belonging to God. There is no higher privilege there is no greater honor. There is no more defining purpose than being the people of the living God through faith in Jesus Christ. Don't mishear me. Don't mishear me. We do exist within those other states. We exist as male and female. We exist black, white, rich, poor. But we exist in those states now to the service of God. <laughs> We exist in them now as a people who have been united to Christ, who now have a share in his kingdom and a calling to minister God's grace and love to others. If you don't hear anything else from Pastor Miles tonight, hear that you are chosen to belong to God. You are his through faith in Jesus Christ. You are his possession, his treasured Possession. In fact, Peter says earlier that you are chosen and precious in the sight of God. And the calling here, brothers and sisters, is to not let our other belongings take precedent over our belonging to God. That is to not put belonging to other things before our belonging to God. And we are all in ways, aren't we, tempted to put other allegiances before our allegiance to God. Whether our allegiance to nation or race or political parties or the like, we can all of us be tempted to subordinate our belonging to God to these other things. But our belonging to God has to be first and everything else interpreted in light of that belonging. And this requires being honest with ourselves about what allegiances are truly being given primacy in our lives. To call to ask the Lord himself, in fact, to search our hearts and to reveal to us what allegiances may be truly enthroned there. And then once exposed, it means asking God to help us 
through his spirit and through the encouragement of others to put the Lord first, to put belonging to him first and foremost in our lives. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. What in the world could be more of an honor than that? Indeed, people of God, don't let anything, don't let anything else be more important than your belonging to God. You were chosen in Christ to be his. You were chosen for the purpose of belonging to God. You were chosen for possession. You were also chosen for proclamation. <laughs> Listen to what Peter says again here. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Not only were we chosen for possession, brothers and sisters, but we were also chosen for proclamation, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, whether in worship or in mission, the church has been chosen to declare the goodness of God's character and his mighty acts. Our calling, our calling is to sound the praises of our God and King, to tell within the community of God's people and to those outside it what the scriptures themselves declare about our God. It is to tell them what the Lord himself told Moses, the Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. It's to declare with the psalmist in Psalm 145, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. And it is to tell of the goodness of God, his excellencies, as you have experienced them in your own lives. The God who brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light is the God who has brought you out of darkness individually as well. We were chosen for this purpose, chosen to sound the praises of our God through faith in Jesus Christ. And note, it is his excellencies that we are meant to sound out in this world, not our own excellencies. Indeed, we cry out again with the psalmist who says in Psalm 115, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. In our church, I will say, God is good. And the church will say, and I will say all the time, God is good. And it's something of a routine for us to say this in the church. But can I tell you that everyone who comes in contact with us should hear us declaring 
the goodness of God. Everybody who comes in contact with you should know something of the goodness of God, something of the goodness of the God who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. They should hear from your lips you declaring the goodness of God in your life, the things he has done for you. Your praises, his praises, should ever ring from your lips. In the community of God's people, we should be speaking of the mighty acts of God in our lives. And to our neighbors, we should be speaking of those same mighty acts of God. When Jesus sent all those first believers to the world, he said to them, You shall be my witnesses. That is what we are in this world. We're not a political organization. We're not a social services agency. We are the body of Christ who have been entrusted with the story of God's mighty acts of salvation. And that message should ring from our pulpits. It should give shape to all our activities in the community around us. We are here to declare the excellencies of our God. We want people to know his excellence, not our perceived excellence. It is God in his excellence that calls people out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who people need to hear about. They need to hear about our King and our God, what he has done for us. Can I ask you tonight, has God done anything for you? Has he delivered you? Has he saved you? Has he set you free? Amen. People need to hear about the goodness of our God. We were chosen for possession. We were also chosen for proclamation. We were chosen to declare the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen, people of God. We were chosen for possession. We were chosen for proclamation. We were also chosen for purity. Listen to Peter's words again, verses 11 and 12. He says, But loved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Chosen for possession, we're chosen for proclamation, we're also chosen for purity. Listen Listen to those words and take them in. Those who are chosen, who are given the honor of belonging to God, are called to live honorably in this world. Our conduct, our conduct as believers matters. It's not just what we say about God that will bring glory to his name and bear witness to the world around us. Our conduct, the way we live before people, also testifies about our God. When we give ourselves to the passions of our flesh, we not only do harm to ourselves and to the church, we also do harm to the image of God in this world. Think about Israel's failure to honor God's name and God's words to them in a passage like Ezekiel concerning this. He says, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, 
but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when, you, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the countries, and bring you into your own land. What's the point? God's concern for his name, God's concern for his name even in the New Testament, remains. And his call to his people to honor his name through our conduct, through the way we live our lives in this world, remains. Listen again to what Peter says. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, what? Honorable. Watch what you are doing. Watch how you are behaving in the world. Watch over your lives. Watch over how you are living because through your life, you will bear testimony to the goodness of God and the Gentiles will see it and they will have no other choice but to give praise and glory to God for the good work they see taking place among you. So the call here is to to watch over our conduct, to watch over it individually, to watch over it corporately. And it's to remember that we are not ambassadors of our own cause, but of the cause of God. To carry his name, to carry his name into all the earth. And so the call, brothers and sisters, is to be individually and corporately vigilant in watching over our conduct. The Apostle Paul Peter's colleague in the preaching of the gospel. He wrote these words in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, and I'm using this just as an illustration. He says, But sexual immorality, all impurity, covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And the point being that as believers, watching over our conduct is important to our testimony in the world. The enemies of the church, watch this, are always looking for reasons to condemn us, to call us hypocrites, to diminish our testimony to the goodness of God. And those whom God is calling to himself need to know that this is the place where we grow in holiness, the place where we encourage and spur one another on to that growth. And keeping our conduct honorable requires faithfulness on the part of leaders and members alike. Preaching alone can't produce it. It has to be the result of all of God's people yielding to the Spirit who sanctified us through his mighty power at work in us. And I just want you to hear this morning that the Spirit of God is in you for this very purpose. The Spirit of God is in you to enable you, to empower you, to watch over your life. And should you sin, should you fail, he is there to lead you in that confession that leads you back, that confession and repentance that leads you to God's cleansing and righteousness coming into your life. Amen, people of God. We have have been chosen for possession. We have been chosen for proclamation to declare the praises of our God in this world. We have been chosen for purity. We have been chosen to be this people who walk out into this world who proclaim the goodness of God in this world. We are chosen, and we are chosen with a purpose. Amen, people of God. Brothers and sisters, the God of all the earth, he's called us out. He's chosen us for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. In Christ, we are being built into a spiritual house, Peter says. 
the place of God's dwelling. We are chosen, and we are chosen with a purpose, chosen for possession, chosen for proclamation, chosen for purity. May God keep these things ever before us, and may he spur us on, and may we spur each other on in these purposes for which we have been called out by our great God and King. Let's remind each other that we belong to the King. Let's remind each other that we have been chosen to declare his name in this world. And let's remind each other that we have been chosen for purity, that our lives might bear testimony along with our words to the goodness of our God who has saved us and set us free from sin and death and all that flow from them. Amen, people of God. Amen. You will probably not hear a shorter sermon from Pastor Miles than the one you just heard tonight. So give praise to God. (laughs) I am so grateful to God to have been able to be among you. I want to pray for you that these things, God will indeed enable you to embrace them, to hold on to them, and to walk in them. Let me pray for you. Father God, I do pray tonight for your people as they have heard your word, as they have been reminded tonight that they were chosen by you in Christ. Through faith in him, they were chosen for possession. I pray for your people tonight, Lord, to embrace that, to believe that, to know that they in Christ belong to you and that they would make that the priority in their lives. I pray, Lord, that all other belongings would be subordinate to that belonging to you. And I pray for your people here at Harvest. I pray for your people at New City. I pray for your people throughout this city, Lord, that indeed you would enable us to be a people who proclaim your excellencies to each other and declare your excellencies to the world around us. And I pray for your people tonight, Lord. I pray, I pray that they would also know that they have been chosen for lives that bear testimony to you by being faithful to you, Lord, in our speech, being faithful to you in our actions. And again, Lord, when we sin, to know that we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can come in repentance and find healing and grace in our time of need and find cleansing as well. I pray for your people to know all these things, to embrace all these things by the power of the Spirit. And I ask it in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let this blessing be upon you. This is from Revelation chapter 1. This is what John says there. He says this, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. We're going to sing now, uh, May the Mind of Christ my Savior.